What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 84. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how you doing tonight? Uh, we were talking about blood work just a second ago and I'm all... I, yeah. I'm not a fan of blood work. It's I, Me and blood work don't get along. So well, Same. I am a notorious fainter, so I'm going <laughs> to yes, do my best tomorrow. <laughs> oh, it's not good. It's not like uh, my feet always go up. I'm laying down. I try to get a cold compress on my head. I got orange juice at the ready, something to eat, and I still just oh that wasn't too. Oh, <laughs> yep, I'm right there with you. So uh, my week of medical procedures continues tomorrow. So just <laughs> keep me in your thoughts tomorrow that's all i'll say so it's just to make sure you have the right color of green right like just to match the new jerseys yes. for next year exactly yes so if you listen to the post game show from sunday night i was not there and mitch accurately described why i was unavailable it was because i did in fact dye my skin green because the jets signed Le'Veon bell and and, and you have sam darnold and sam darnold so it was almost like Oh, this is a generational thing. There's no way you saw this movie. But I don't know. Maybe. See, Try me. Uh, Big Fat Liar. Uh, yeah. Isn't that the Jim Carrey movie? No, that's Liar Liar. No, definitely not. <laughs> Big Fat Liar is with Frankie Muniz, and he's the main character. It's like a Nickelodeon kind of movie from the early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, so they pour this blue dye into the villain's pool and when he dives in there goes for a swim he comes out and his skin's all blue so that's basically <laughs> what a loser so that's basically what we did except for green i yes. basically i took a swim in the chicago river on st patrick's day <laughs> that's awesome. what happened perfect you're a walking green screen now yes oh boy yeah, all right. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. We got to get into the Islanders now, Mitch. And let's start with someone who we love to talk about. Do we? And, yes. Well, okay. actually, I'm sorry. First, there is some housekeeping we have to do first. Yes, what edition? Okay. We are the Michael Grabowski edition, number 84. The legend, Michael Grabowski. <laughs> he played, played a hundred. Let me guess. I'm going to guess. Yeah. A hundred and four games. Oh, one oh nine. Oh, that's pretty close. Yeah, 51 and 58 across two seasons. Yeah. Uh, okay, how, how many points did he score in those 109 games? Keep in mind, this guy was 11th in Calder voting in 20, uh, 2008, 2009 uh, with 20 goals and 28 assists for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm. How many points across 52. two seasons? Close. 44. Oof. Scored 18 goals, 26 assists. That's yep. kind of rough. His best year was the last one in 15-16 when he put up 25 points. 
Like so much, so much was expected of him. What was his deal again? Was it a five-year contract that they gave? Or not a five-year, uh, a five million dollar contract? Yeah, four years, five million. Oh man, that's rough. I need a beer for that. Yeah, him and his buddy Nikolai Kuleman got big time contracts from the Islanders before the 2014 season. Yeah. So, woo. anyways, so that's our edition, the Mikhail Grabowski edition, where we're all coming back. I guess maybe not. This guy's and, not. And he was traded so that Adam Pella could stay on the roster. <laughs> That's so true. Pretty much, yeah. right? Yeah, pretty much. Adam Pellick, uh yeah. No, oh, God. And so they could take J.F. Barube. Interesting stuff. So with that, let's get into topic number one. Andrew Ladd, he is now done for the season. His ACL is Dunzo as well, so he's going to get surgery this week. So he will be out for about four or five months. So his season comes to a close. Although, prob- like, I'm not a doctor, but like at 33 years old, torn ACL, do you really expect this guy to be back in five months? I'm, I'm I don't know how that works out six. in terms. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay, what we're March, so April, May, June, July, August. Like, obviously, that doesn't start the season. So, like, he. he it seems that he'll be back in time in time for training camp, at least according to the Islanders' timeline. I'm not so sure. If sure I had to, if I had to put money on it, he will not play opening night next year. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you that he like he might, but I would be confident enough to bet that for sure. Right, like there's a chance, but I would say it's more likely that he is not fully ready to go by that point. Yeah, exactly. I 100% agree with that. Like, man, oh man, this this deal, this contract is not good. Not bueno. No, and I mean, we know that at this point. Let's, let's pull up the numbers. We'll talk about year by year. The first year, obviously, 31 points. He had 23 goals, which goals-wise, yeah, that's what about what you expect for Andrew Ladd, but he only had eight assists that first year. That's like almost impossible, I feel like. Yeah, but we got to remember that first year was... Dog crap. Remember, like, the first tw- he didn't score for, like, four months or something stupid like that? I think it was the first 12 games. Was it that long? I don't think yeah. it was. I thought it was longer than that. Did you look it up? Mm-mm. Okay, I'm going to go look it up right now because I thought it was really long. And maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm, I'm over-exaggerating what I remember. But I remember his first goal didn't come till game 13. Right. Yeah, he didn't score for 13 games or 12 games. God. Why did it feel so much longer than that? Because he was brought into play with John Tavares, and that lasted about two periods against the New York Rangers, and then they moved him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He did not last there very long. Um, wow, it really felt like he had this. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm conflating him and Jason Chimera together, right? I know Chimera took forever to score, and maybe that's just it. They were they came in at the bo- at both at the same time, and I'm just conflating the two. Yeah, I mean, and they both ended up with over 20 goals that year, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure Chimera hit 20 exactly. Maybe he was like 21, but although we just saw that my memory is not the greatest. So let's bring it up. Jason Chimera in 2015-16 had 20 goals. Okay. Yes. Still so got it. Obviously, the, the goal numbers, that's about what you'd expect from Andrew Ladd, but Unfortunately, the assist wasn't there. So 31 points, not a great return. He followed that up with last year, an even worse season of 29 points, only 12 goals, which that was pretty rough because the Islanders were scoring like it was going out of style last year. <laughs> yeah, and he couldn't get on the end of anything, anything. Just skating with cement bags on his feet, which is something we'll see again this year, or we saw again this year. Yes, and then we followed this up with his injury-riddled 2018-2019 season. So he was actually injured three separate times this year. That's true, right? To start the season, and then in the middle of the season, and then now. Yeah, exactly. So that's three times. 26 games, 11 points in those 26 games. He started off okay production-wise, and then it really tailed off before he got hurt again. Yeah, and, and again, same thing. He started off really well, right? He he had three points in three games coming back from injury, inclu- and, and then he had one in his last game before leaving for injury the second time, and then tailed off, and then again gone. Like, oh, just... He chews up so much of the Islanders' cap, and for so long. Like, they have him for another four years after this. 
Yeah, you are effectively stuck with Andrew Ladd. I, with, with a full no move this year, right? Or next year's is, is no last year of no move, no. and then the last three years it's modified no trade? Uh, it's a no trade clause for next year. It's not a no move. It's an he had a no trade this year and next year, and then I think it's modified after that. Yeah, fifteen team no trade list. Uh, I, obviously, I, I wrote that I wanted Andrew Light to sit, and I, and I do. I don't want it to sit for this reason. Like I, I would rather he sit as a healthy scratch than have to sit because his ACL is torn. Like you, you, you right. don't wish that or any injury on anyone. It's just I'd rather he be a healthy scratch because he gave the Islanders absolutely nothing in in either zone. Just just absolutely nothing. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like you took the words out of my mouth. We don't root for people to get injured. We we feel bad for Andrew Ladd. I mean, I mean, tearing your ACL is not fun at all. I could only imagine. You are right, though, that he didn't give the Islanders much this year, and over his three years with the team so far, it is scary that he is under contract for another four years, and he will be thirty-four years old next year. So I don't know how. Or what kind of Andrew Ladd you are getting after an ACL surgery at 34 years old? Three injuries, one year, like you said, torn ACL, out five months at 34? Oh, for another four years? At 5.5 on the cap? My good God. Question for you. Yes. Do you think he retires? I don't think so. Do you? I'm trying to, I'm trying to spin it in a way that maybe he retires because all these injuries, man. Can, can you keep doing your body like that? I understand he's not technically at like retirement age yet. Maybe in another two years, but at the end of the day, here uh, eventually, are you going to keep putting your body through this? Can he continue to do it? I mean, he's shown signs of breaking down already. I'm sure he'll give it another year. He'll he'll probably come back in in 1920, and then if the injuries keep persisting, that that's what I think when he'll be like, man, I, I can't keep doing this. My body's telling me to stop. I got to stop. Um, and, and I hope he heeds that call. Not not because I'm looking at any sort of cap uh, relief or any sort of you know at least we got rid of Andrew Ladd. It's just 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 for his own sake, just to be healthy. Because I would hate you hate to see when players give the game everything they've got, including their body and they they leave at these like like these broken husks of people where they like they have a bad knee they can barely walk anymore their hand doesn't close cuz it's all arthritic yeah like you know man like you still got a life to live you're young you're 30 he's my age he is my age and you're just making 6 million dollars a year like you got monies you got life ahead of you doesn't he have a kid or two a wife at least like just just go and do you buddy if it comes to that I, I hope it doesn't I hope he bounces back and he could be an effective third line player for the Islanders ideally that's what I would want it's just we have not seen that in three years you're right we just haven't no, nothing even close like he's barely a fourth line player uh, is he even that at this point in his career he, he is on any other team he is not on the Islanders Right, he's not a fourth line player for the Islanders because the Islanders' fourth line is good. <laughs> is uh, well, check notes uh, good? Yes, exactly for that reason. I don't know what they're going to do. And I, as you were talking, I pulled up the buyout, and it's not oh, pretty. No, they don't save much money. I think they save money next year, like a couple hundred thousand, maybe. You save like. Just over six hundred thousand dollars in total. Each. Yeah, for well, no, you saw in total it's one point three million. So essentially, it's uh six hundred and sixty six thousand six hundred and sixty seven for four years in a row of savings. So that's a four point eight three 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 cap hit, okay. and then. For uh, 2023 through 2027, you are losing $333,000 against the cap. Yeah. So, like, it just it, it doesn't really make – I guess they could do it if they, if they had the room. Like, But, like, you're, you're not saving much. It's not like a Jared Cowan situation where you put yourself in cap heaven because of it. Um, you're saving $300,000. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. It's not at all. 
Um, so then what does this do for the, the lineup? We saw Michael Dal Cole step in and we've seen that they're not going to go to Bridgeport. So like, what does this do for the lineup? That it's going to be Michael Del Cole getting a ton more playing time, I would assume, unless maybe you want to give it to Tom Kunakel, but I would not be privy to that. Uh, they they probably will. It's not like Michael Del Cole's been doing much. Uh, no. he, he looks okay. He looks comfortable out there, but he's not moving forward at this point. He's he's been a pro for four years now. This is his fourth. No, this is his third year. You would expect him to be taking a step forward in terms of a professional career, and that's not happening. So, ooh, you know, they might they might say like, you know, buddy, maybe you want to sit this one out and we're going to get the guy with two rings on his finger. Not that that changes anything, but, you know, that's the rationale they'll give themselves. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I, I know, like you said, Del Cole hasn't been great in terms of point production, but I would rather go with him because he's younger and definitely has a little bit more upside than someone like Tom Kunakel, who you know kind of what he is. Yeah, that, that's fair. I just don't trust Barry Trost to make that decision. I, I shouldn't say don't trust. I do trust Barry Trost. I don't think that Barry Trost will make that decision. Right. You'd think he'd probably lean towards the veteran, which yeah. kind of has been their MO all year long. And, and again, to be fair, like Michael Dalcole isn't giving them a reason to trust him, right? No. So like I, I can't necessarily blame Trotz for it. Like yes, we can keep saying, but the, the you know he projects to be better. He's got a higher ceiling, sure, but he ain't showing it. So, but then again, you're you're stuck. It's either Michael Delcole doesn't play to his potential, or you got Tom Kunakel. You're you're no better off either way. Like they don't have a better option. Well, they do. They're just not going down that road. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you're stuck basically. I mean, Andrew Ladd wasn't giving you anything. Tom yeah. Kunakel's not going to give you anything, and Michael Del Cole most likely won't give you much either. So right hasn't start hasn't shown that he's going to give you anything. He could, like you said, and I hope he does, but it's so far not so good. Um, I hope he turns it around, but at, at this point, you're right. Like you weren't you weren't better off with Lad, but you're no better off with the other two. So like you're at you're at it's it's a game of uh of even returns really like you're not getting anything extra from any of the options you're just kind of like swapping parts and it's the same ones um but i don't know man like that's two big injuries for the islanders that's what kind of concerns me a little bit and maybe there's nothing more to get out of this than just coincidence but like two huge injuries to not an important player. Well, one wasn't an important player. The other one was not. But still, like that means they got to put in replacement parts, and those replacement parts aren't pushing the envelope forward. That that's what happens with thirty three and thirty four year old forwards, though. Yeah, that's true. When they play, well, not not in Andrew Ladd's situation, but like Philpola was playing every game, right? So, man, it it sucks. The the Philpola one bothers me more than the Andrew Ladd one. Because yeah, um, Phil Pilo was pretty like as a third line center in that role, I thought he was good. Yeah, yeah, and and now he's gone. Like Tanner Fritz, I, I know a lot of people aren't liking him, and I even wrote at the at the beginning of the year that he belonged on the team. I know, I see you raising your hand there. Uh, belonged on the team as like that extra skater, right? As that like thirteenth forward type of thing, uh, and he's showing showing some potential. Like there's a couple of plays that he's made that I'm kind of like, all right. I see what you got going on there. I'd like to see more. I'd like to see you convert on those two opportunities. But, you know, so far, not terrible yet. We'll see when we get to the playoffs. He, as a 13th forward and playing like 20 games a year. Right. At most, yes. But him being a major factor going into the playoffs is scary. Right. I I thought he would be our Tom Kunakal this year. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he probably will take over that role because I would be very shocked that they brought back Tom Kunakal. Right, exactly. Um, so on Andrew Ladd, our, so I know you hinted at the idea of him him retiring. Like, do we do we seriously think that this is no. this is it? I mean, outside of retirement, is there any other option? Like, they they could potentially trade him for to who for what? <laughs> I don't like. Yeah, no one's gonna take an injured Andrew Ladd on that contract, unless it's like Arizona, right? Like we'll take him and we'll take something else from you because we need to make the cap floor. I'd be shocked if they did that, even at this point. 
Yeah, well, you know, I, I am pretty sure their books are, are, are growing clear. Like Pavel Datsuk is off their books. Chris Pronger, I believe, is also off their books. So they, they don't have that big dead contract. And maybe they're transitioning into a world where they don't do that anymore. Um, that would surprise me. Uh, oh, never mind. <laughs> Dave Boland. It's the last year of Dave Boland's contract, which is Koinkidinki, uh, $5.5 million. Oh. Uh, they still have three years of Marion Hosa. Uh, Antti Ranta's there, but like he's still going to play for them. Nick Schmaltz. Man, they got a lot. Oh, a lot on IR. But yeah, Dave Boland comes off. So if they're still looking to keep that $5.5 million hit, Andrew Ladd, what's up? I guess. But then they, they have to give him more. But like, who knows if they're still going to want to do that, right? So it remains to be seen. But that that's a team that I would look at that could gobble that up. Them or maybe Carolina, because they've done that in the past. But. Yeah, it's just weird because both of these teams are kind of in the playoff mix too. So it's not like they're a bottom feeder. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, but we'll see where they're at next season, right? Of course. So or or the Devils. The Devils have a ton of cap space. There you go. Um, let's move along now and get into something a little bit more optimistic. Okay. Yeah. And that is something that not you created but you you kind of stole from bill simmons a little bit i 100 percent stole from bill simmons so do you want to explain what it is a little bit that we're talking about so uh bill simmons has his like his crunch time he, he doesn't call it crunch time five but it's like what five players would you put in at crunch time and he's specifically talking about like the last minute of a basketball game because uh, uh shocker bill simmons is a huge basketball fan mm-hmm. um, specifically the celtics can't stop talking about him uh but What he likes to do, and he may not do this directly, but the idea is that you tell me the five players that you're going to put on crunch time, and I will essentially tell you if that team is any good, right? Because that should be your five best players. And if your five best players are poor, your team is poor. Yes. And so what I did did is applied that to hockey. And I said a crunch time six, because there's no bigger crunch time for hockey than game seven, last minute of the play, you've pulled the goalie, you're down by one. Who do you toss over the boards? And so I pitched that to our team, and I got a few different responses. So I'd like to get yours, Matt. Okay. So we're going four forwards, two defensemen, right? What, whatever makeup you want to go. What is your crunch time six? I, I didn't set a requirement because some people like to go five and one. Some go a more classical four and two. Some might just go straight six forwards. I'm going to go four and two. Okay. So I'll start with my two defensemen because those are jumped out to me right away. Yeah. And I think I'm going to go with Nick Letty and Ryan Pulak. Mm, my man. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. I- explain your Nick Letty choice because of the people who wrote one, uh, no one picked Letty except for me. I wanted in my heart to go with Devontae's, but I yeah. wasn't ready to put that kind of pressure on him just yet. Eventually, yes, but I kind of did the cop out and was like, okay, they're both kind of the same player and Nick Letty's a little bit more experienced. So I went with him. That's like my exact rationale. Okay. Cause I, like I said, I love Taze's game. I just don't know if I'm quite there yet to put him and Pulak out there at the same time in that situation. Right. And, And like the whole point of this is that this is the crunch time is a high stress, high stakes situation. And we haven't seen Devin Tays be put in a lot of those. Yes, we've seen him in overtime, but overtime of a regular season game, you know, it's important and it's stressful, but it's not game seven, last minute, you're down by one, you know, with the game on your stick, uh, the series and your season on the stick. Uh, but we see Nick Letty play in, in, comparable situations or close to comparable situations. Uh, we've seen him play elimination games. Uh, so he, he's been there and he's felt it. And he's, uh, I, I would trust him more. And I know Barry Trotz would definitely trust him more. So yeah, he's going over the, he and Pulak go over the boards easy. And then for my four forwards, I think I would go Lee Barzal, Bailey and Nelson. See, okay, perfect. I did the same thing as well, except I put a little asterisk beside Nelson, and I put Casey Zizekas there. Um, okay. So my, my my strategy with Casey Zizekas is very 1990s Montreal Canadiens with Yannick Perot. Just put him in for the face-off and go right back to the bench. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, to be fair, we had other contributors who put Casey Zika's full time out there, right? Like they thought his tenacity and his ability and his scoring at this at the moment and the way he's playing, he deserves to be out there. And, and I don't necessarily disagree. No, I don't. I think you can make the case for it. I really do. I just think that Brock's shot is a little bit more appealing in that situation than Casey Zekas is for checking skills. Right, exactly. So I, I put Zekas out there again for the face-off. He's forty nine point nine percent. It's not. It's not great. That's not a, a, a positive percentage. But he's better than anyone else on the team in terms of centers. You know, in terms of guys who take draws all game long. Mm-hmm. So I would rather trust him there. Um, but yeah, in terms of forward, there's there's no one really that no one really changed it. Even out of the contributors, you have a lot of Bailey, Barzali, Sezikis, uh, and, and and Nelson. Like no one really went in and put uh, Anthony Beauvillier or something like that. Well, I don't think you could go like Beauvillier or Everly just because of how much they've struggled right. recently. But then again, like Barry Trotz continues to put Jordan Everly first power play unit. Right, he'd rather move Matthew Barzal off the first power play than Jordan Eberle. Yeah, I don't get that at all. I just because Jordan Eberle is good at getting the puck out of the, the like down below the goal. I'm really struggling here. Like I can't <laughs> try. I got nothing. Yeah, I really don't know. Um, <laughs> I just I. That's the only thing is that Jordan Eberle is pretty good at holding the puck down below the goal line and, and retrieving it. You know, if and when a shot comes, which isn't very often, but that's the only justification. And and Matthew Barzell is more, you know, playing along the half wall and, and getting that pass through. But the, the Islanders get no penetration in, in the slot that Matthew Barzell has rendered essentially effectiveless. So, right. Uh, and I think that's a pretty strong crunch time six, but that's not a good crunch time six when you look at the league. No, like if you compare that to the teams that you're playing, like in all likelihood you're playing Pittsburgh in the first round, right? Right. <laughs> so then let's think about their crunch time six. It's gonna be a lot. It's gonna be a lot more firepower than the Islanders. Crosby, Malkin, Kessel, Latang, Gensel, maybe. Maybe. I would imagine Gens- if it's a playoff, Gensel's out there for sure because he's probably gonna score. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably what I would go because they got no one else on the on the defense if Latang isn't there. Latang, Latang. Um, so, yeah. Oh man, that is that is rough. Yeah, they have uh, definitely the talent and the skill there. That's for sure. So, like, I I I look at that crunch time six, and am I confident that they can score a goal? No. And the reason I say that is they did it just yesterday, playing against uh, again different situation. Obviously, it's not Game Seven of a Stanley Cup of a series. It's not they're not only well they were more than one down by one, um, but they're against the Columbus Blue Jackets down by three, uh, and the Blue Jackets have the puck in the Islanders zone for most of that time. The goalies pulled; they're up six five in terms of players on ice, and still they can't generate any offense. No, they, they they can't. And I I mean, think about it. How many games this year or how many times in a row have they been awful on the power play? It's a similar situation. It's a man advantage, technically. They've been awful on yeah. the power play all year. So what makes you think with a pulled goalie they're going to be any better? I, not nothing. You're, you're absolutely right. There's nothing telling me that they would be any better because when, when they're a man up, they're no good. And now you're putting an extra guy out there. There's 11 guys in one zone. The Islanders can't do it when there's nine guys in the zone. Forget that. There's no way. There's way too many bodies clogging up lanes. I I don't know. I don't even know if they could do it at six on four. Probably not. Like, I, I would prefer their chances, obviously. But would I be confident... I'd maybe be 5% more confident that they can get it done if they're six on four. I mean, yeah. Six on three, probably 10% more confident. Still not very confident. No, not (laughs) certainly not at all. Not very confident at all, but that's what we have to do for now. That's what we have to do for now. You're right. Like ideally I would replace, I, I would find better talent for someone like Letty. 
ideally, I would find better talent for someone like Bailey if I'm going with my option. And I would ideally have a better shooter than Brock Nelson, but that's what we've got. And it's not to say that these guys are bad. It's just that there are certainly better options in the NHL than these players. Yeah, that's just the thing, right? It's just we can't attract them yet. No, or you have to wait for um, Oliver Wallstrom. Yeah, Oliver Wallstrom. I don't know what's going on there, but... I think did we did we want to talk about him or let's let's save him for uh, the social because I, I want to talk about that in the social segment. I've got I got two things that and and something food related. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh. So do you want to move on to just bad offense in general for the New York Islanders? Yeah. Right. Let's do that. So. For the third time this week, and for the third time in five games, the New York Islanders were shut out last night. And now, in that last five-game stretch, Mitch, they have scored six goals. That's not good. I don't know. Whatever way you want to slice it, however you want to draw this up, there is no positive spin zone right now. The Islanders' offense is cooked. They're not doing a darn thing. No, they're they've they've been awful. So like, what's the problem? It's a very Jerry Seinfeld. What's the deal with the Islanders' offense? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, if I knew, I, I I I don't know. I don't think they know either. I don't think they know, and that's the problem. They don't know what the problem is. Uh, which, like again, in and of itself, is a problem. That's well, a damn I, problem to have. I feel like we yell on the post games a lot, and if you're not already subscribed, please make sure to subscribe to the post game shows on the Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Eyes and Isles. But I feel like each one of these times they lose, we're ranting and raving that no one's going to the slot or no one's going to the front of the net. Do they need to put more bodies in front of the net and maybe not try and do so much with the space on the outside? Well, it's not even that no one's going to the net because we all know that Anders Lee goes to the net. It's that even when he's there, they're not getting any shots into that area. They're very content on moving the puck around in the perimeter, which I guess is, is, is maybe a factor of the defenses they're playing against. The defenses they're playing against are doing an equally good job at what the Islanders have been good at all year is keeping that offense to the outside. They're just not finding anyone to get any sort of creativity to go to the middle. Uh, usually that's Matthew Barzell's role, but the other teams are keeping him at bay and keeping him to the outside. Uh, and, and no one is, is skating into, into the slot to try to get that, get him that, that penetration. Again, Lee's in the front of the net. That's fine. That's what he's supposed to do. But no one's cutting in. No one's making runs into the slot. It's a very soccer term, making runs. But no one's cutting into the slot to give Matthew Barzell some sort of outlet and, and pull defenders in. Defenders are doing a really good job on on us to keep us to the outside. I don't like. I don't get why no one's seeing that, and I don't think it's a coaching issue. I think it's a, an execution issue. Yeah, I think so too. I could see that. Like, is there, is there anything else that like? They're, obviously, they're not shooting. They haven't been shooting all year, uh, and that need that needs to change because for a team that shoots as infrequently as we do, we're not getting any chances. And the only way to get more chances is to get more shots on net. Like, to, to me, I, I, ideally, that's the best way to do it. Just direct pucks towards net and try to get a dirty goal. Yeah, and right now, that's just not working at all. No. And, but that's playoff hockey, right? Like, that's... We, we keep talking about where they're all playing playoff games because they're tight-checking games. But they're not trying to get a dirty goal. They're not trying to get, you know, just throw one on net and see what happens. Which is... That's that's the game at this point of the season. Yeah, that that's just the thing. I feel like they are waiting for that perfect opportunity or that perfect shot where we've seen sometimes all it takes is a puck on net that beats Grice or beats Leonard. Like I for forgive me, I can't remember the game off the top of my head, but there was just a goal recently where we were surprised that whoever it was took the shot and en- ended up going in off of one of the Islanders goalies and we were saying like, oh wow, what a concept putting pucks on net. <laughs> yeah. Well, just the, the Bjorkstrand goal last night against Columbus, right? He just turned and shot. He, he found himself alone at the top of the faceoff circles. So that, that in and of itself is a problem. But he, he had an open lane. He had his back towards net, turned around and just, well, I'm going to fire this one on the net. I don't care. I, I'm barely even looking at the net. I just know where it is. And the Islanders don't do that as frequently as they should. 
the more you do that, the, the you score 100 percent of the shots, or you don't score 100 percent of the shots you don't take. I think I got that. You right. miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. Thank you, Michael Scott. Um, I figured you'd know that. Um, it's just I like I don't get it. They're not shooting. They're not getting any penetration in the slot. What else? What else do you need to do? Like I don't. I don't understand. Like those seem like the two most basic concepts for hockey in terms of generating offense. I know there's there's more nuance and there's more strategy involved than just that. But at a very basic level, that's what it is. Oh sure. When you dumb it down to like the bare bones basic stuff, yeah, that that's exactly it. And they don't seem to be doing that. Like their transition game out of the defensive zone might need some help. Um, but but they're they're getting into the offensive zone. It's just when they get into that offensive zone, they're not taking any chances. Like the perfect example of that is the power play. How many shots do they get on the power play? Yeah, I'm sure they average less than one. Yeah, not a not a whole lot. It's maybe one or two shots at most. So like, what the hell do they do? What's the solution here? I you're asking the wrong guy. You're barking off the wrong tree, Mitch. If I knew, I would have been having Barry Trotz on the horn by now. That's true. I I'm just at such a loss with five games left to go, and you're going, "Well, this is the problems we're having. We can't generate offense." Oh, like that was the that was the whole thing. You remember at the start of the season, Barry Trotz said, "I don't have to teach them the harder part of the game, and that's scoring. I just have to teach them defense, and that's the easy part." Well, you do now. <laughs> yeah, you do, buddy. Um, no, I don't know. I oh. think they're going to have to hope and pray that guys like Anthony Beauvillier, Jordan Eberle start to figure this thing out. And, and that's the thing. And that's the problem. Right? Like we, we, we focus on Matthew Barzell because he put up those 85 points and we're all like, yeah, that's true. But he had Anthony Beauvillier and Jordan Eberle also scoring. So other defenses had to give them or give them more respect than they're giving them now. Right now it's like let Beauvillier shoot it. He might score, but ninety nine times out of ten he's not. So you know what? Let him shoot. Our goalie will eat it up, done. Opportunity over. Same thing with Jordan Eberle. So like it's not that teams don't pay them any respect, is they pay them a lot less respect. And that's a problem for the Islanders because they are, they can focus, they being other teams, on Matthew Barzell. And that when you're done, when you, when you don't have anyone else but Matthew Barzell scoring goals, forget it. It's over. You're right. You're right. So like that, you're, you're, you are right. Like Barzell, sorry, Barzell, Bo and Eberle need to wake the beep up right now. And that's being me. That's me being very dramatic. I just want to like, I like Bovillier, but I just want to take him and like shake him. Just be like, what is going on? Figure it out. I, I just want to go to a nice French Canadian bar, sit down. Have a lebat bleu, have some some poutine, and just say, "Bo, c'est quoi le problème, mon homme? C'est quoi? C'est quoi?" I, that's it. I gotta use you as the translator. You could be like the middleman. You could be like, "All right, I relate to you because I speak your language. Open up to me. Just, What's just going say, on?" So the key to speaking French Canadian is just say your sentence and just add "le" at the end. Le, le. That's it. Le, le. What's the problem, le? Where's my phone, le? Man, I can't find my thing, le. Like, it's always just le, le, le. We, we, we add that to everything. It's perfect. What does it mean? Nothing. Le, it, it usually can means like there. C'est quoi l'affaire, le? What's that thing over there? Okay, so it's almost like a crutch word. Yeah, but then you could also say c'est quoi... Uh, what did I say? C'est quoi ça, le? Well, like you're saying, what is that thing right there? But like, you're not really saying there isn't really the point of the sentence. The the thing is the point. So like, I don't know. Le is a fluff word. It's very much a fluff word that is used in in, in French Canadian. Joie is what we call it. Just kind of like colloquialisms. Okay. Interesting. The more you know. The more you know. <laughs> uh, anything else on the Islanders offense or have we drained ourselves here? Um... I- I think we drained ourselves before we even got on the horn about it. Very but true. the fact that they've been shut out three times in the last five games and there's only five games to go when they're getting into like the, the now that they're playing against the big boys, against the teams that you know that are, that are in the playoffs, the two teams they beat out of those five games aren't technically playoff teams. Like Coyote, the Coyotes are not a playoff team anymore. Nope, they're not. You're right. And, and because of the they, they weren't when the Islanders played them. So nor are the Flyers. And the three teams they lost against, weren't they playoff teams? Montreal, right? Yep. 
Uh, who else? Why am I blank? Columbus? That they're they're technically a playoff team, I guess. I, 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 I forget mix. at the moment if they are or not. And then there was one more. Who's the other one? Boston. Yeah. Very much a playoff Very team. Very much a playoff team and a dangerous one at that. Yeah. So they're losing against teams that they should be at least competing with. And, and they're beating teams that have no reason to win. So mm, that's a problem. Very much so a problem. Uh, with that, let's get into a little conversation that I sparked from something that I wrote. So I wrote three players that I thought Islanders fans tend to overrate. So I wanted to see who you think on the Islanders is overrated. So who are your three guys? So when I'm saying overrated, what are my criteria here? Just just lay that, that foundation out It doesn't out have me. to mean that they are bad, just that either the team or fans overrate, that think they are better than they really are. So I'm going to take it in a way that the team, I mean, I'm not going to go with the fans because uh, fans have differing opinions and and it sways drastically from fan to fan. And I I don't want to speak for a bunch of people, but I'll I'll try to speak for the team. Uh, Leo Komarov. Okay. He made my list too. Like the tree, that the team, the team. I wanted to say trust and team all at once. The team trusts him more than they need to. Like he's out there a lot. Uh, I know he can be a pest, and I know he's he's a he's a pro and he's a vet, but he's older. He's also prone to mistakes. He's also prone to lapse of judgments. Like just that dumb penalty he took of Brendan Gallagher, like that essentially cost the Islanders the game. What the hell is that? Why would you ta- why would you take that penalty? I don't know. He he usually is the leader of the veteran leadership penalty late in the third period. He's usually the one <laughs> you could point to to take in that penalty. If it's not Lad, it's him. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. I think he is pretty good. Not great, but pretty good on the penalty kill. But I think they absolutely love him on the penalty kill. And he probably is a decent fourth-line player, but they are having him on the third line, and that's a little scary. Yep. Um, I'm going to go next with Anthony Beauvillier. Two for two. Yes. Um, so well, I already know what yours are, but it's fine. Um, I just feel like at some point, when are the, when are the Islanders going to look at him and say production matters, bud? Yeah, because, and that's the thing, everyone last year, myself included, so after the second half he had last year, and I think you fell into it too. I'm not throwing you under the bus. Mm-hmm. I just think we had this conversation I on did. the podcast. And we're like, oh, this we pencil him in for 45, 50 points next year. Right? Yeah, and that was downgrading based off the pace he was putting up. Exactly, because he was on like a 60-point pace over the last That's right. half of the season. So he said, right, maybe 45. He's nowhere close to that. No, he's at, what, 24 points on the season? I believe 24, yeah. So in his first three years in the league, he has... Uh, 26, 36, and 24, I think. I think that's right. Let me bring it up right now, um, mainly because I also want to make a point here. Uh, he's got 24, 16 goals, 8 assists, 24 in his first year, 36 in his second year. Okay. So there you go. So, like, the reason I bring up the production is because the Islanders made a point of telling Joshua saying he needed to produce more. Uh, you know, two points in 10 games isn't good. Well, that's a, tw- uh, what? Um, I'm going to figure it out here. The two divided by, oh, stupid calculator. I know it's 0.2 times 82. 16.4 points over the year. That's not Anthony Beauvillier, but you got to imagine that you give Joshua Hosang 82 games to play, he's going to score more than 16 points. Yeah, I would assume so. Especially if you're giving him the chance on that second line with Matthew Barzell. Yeah, I, or, or even Brock Nelson. Or even Brock point. Nelson and Anders Lee. Right. And they didn't give him that chance because they were saying, oh, we need more production from you. Guys, Bo is not giving you anything. Like, he hasn't scored a point in five games. His last point came, what, six, seven games ago? Uh, not even five. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games ago, he got a point against the Montreal Canadiens. That's really rough. And he, that's his last point. And he usually doesn't give you a ton of assists. So he usually only gives you points when he is scoring goals. And that has really dried up now, too. 
Well, exactly, and because he's not in a in a scoring position, he's playing with with Tanner Fritz now, and, and maybe maybe they connect, but like there's only five games left. So even if he scores a goal every game, he's only going to put up 21 goals a season, which is still good. That's still that, that's still good. 21 goals is a good return, but when you're putting up 21 goals and eight assists, that's Andrew Ladd. <laughs> yes, it is. Um. No, like that, that, that he overrated. They're they're giving him way too much leash than they need to, and I have no idea why. Because they're not willing to give that leash to other players. Is it because Bo doesn't have any giveaways? All right, but that that's really seems like a weird thing to hold your hat on. I guess, right? Like that doesn't seem like something that needs to matter that much. He's got twenty eight giveaways. He had twenty last year and thirty in, in his first year. So like. He's still giving away the, the, the puck quite a bit. Uh, maybe not the same pace that, say, um, Josh Hosang would, because you know but, we all know Hosang is going to give up like a giveaway a game type of thing. But they're, they're too different, in my opinion. Like You're willing to live with the giveaways from some players just because they'll do things where it's like, okay, I know that he is one of maybe two two guys on the team who could do things like that when he skates with the puck. Exactly. So, but but even then, like, you know, yeah, like when you look at the giveaway numbers in 22 games last year, Hosang had 23. Yeah. That's a lot when you compare it to Bo. Of course. Right. 23 and he averaged 14 uh, minutes of ice time, whereas Bo is averaging. Uh, where am I at here? I'm, I'm losing it. losing him at 14. He's getting 1446 with 28 over a 76 game sample size. So, like, that's a big difference. It is. No, you're right. In terms of the giveaways. But, it, it, like, you could teach that stuff, can you not? Uh, I would think so. Or try to. I think you could limit it a little bit. Because was I thought Hosang was better this year at not giving up the puck. But also, he wasn't taking as many risks. Because he was playing with Leo Komarov and Valtteri Filipula. Who knows? Uh, that that's really my my point with with Bo is overrated. Is that they're giving him a lot of a lot of leash, and they're not giving it to a lot like to other players like Jose. And, and maybe that's fitting a narrative for me, and it's not fitting it for other people. But for me personally, I don't get it. That's overrated to me. Okay, so we're two for two. Let's hear number three. Um, number three, I'm gonna go for Adam Pellick. Okay, from the Islanders' perspective, that's a good answer if you're looking at it from the Islanders' perspective. See, I did it from the fans, and the fans definitely don't overrate Adam Pellick. I guess that's true. Yeah, okay. So uh, you're doing it from the team's perspective. That makes sense, I think. So I like that we're going to disagree on this one. Yeah, so like they give, he's getting better. So maybe it's not necessarily fair he's getting better recently, and so they're overrate, they, they overrated him at the beginning of the year, and now he seems maybe rated. Um, to, to just slightly underrated or, or slightly overrated where they're still putting him in a lot of key positions and he's not doing well. Like the other night against Columbus at the end of the period mm-hmm. did not look good. I, I guess he was a little gassed, but he still was making bad decisions uh, and fumbling the puck in their own zone. Like that did not look good. I think that was the end of the second period. Um, I, I still, I'm still not convinced on, on Pelic. He looks better, but I don't know. I'm not convinced on him. But the Islanders love him. They love him. Again, they protected him two years ago. Yeah. No, you're right. Three? Uh, two. two. That's a that's a good one from the team's perspective. So mine, from the fans' perspective, I'm going with Michael Del Cole. And Okay, yeah. I think that a lot of guys have really talked up what they've seen from him at the NHL level. Oh, it's been a huge step for him this year. He looks a lot more comfortable. While I agree it looks like he looks more comfortable at times, production-wise, he hasn't given you a whole lot at all. He's given you five points in 24 games. (laughs) The way that people talk about him, you were to think like he's a lock for their second line, which I don't think that's the case at all. Five points, that's in 24 games, that's like fourth-line stuff. Yeah, that's not really... Just because he's maybe a serviceable, and I'm using that term loosely, NHL player, I don't think you can rate him the way that some fans have this year. I still am leaning towards that he is a bust. I'm hoping that you get some kind of production out of him, but 
that number really sticks out to me. Them only two goals in twenty four games. That's not good. No, and then the same Jose argument applies here. Like they weren't happy with his production. At what point does his production matter? Like at what point do we stop feeling like well he looks comfortable? All right, well yeah, you know you can look comfortable after five, ten games, but after that it's like all right, buddy, it's time to put your big boy pants on and start playing like you belong. Because you know the comfort, I'm growing uncomfortable with your presence here because you're not doing anything extra. Yes, you look comfortable, and yes, you look like you belong in the NHL, but you're not backing that up with any sort of production. And maybe we're now being too harsh on Michael Dalcole, who's taking, like you said, good strides in his career. But, you know, we are <laughs> we're still in the playoff race and we just lost home ice advantage for the first time in two or three months. Yeah. You know, we, we could use a guy like him to step up to come into his own finally and not not be like the fifth overall pick we all thought he was going to be, but to be a guy, to be a guy to give us secondary scoring to step into some sort of role because as it stands now, he's a warm body on the team. Yeah, that's true. So I I agree with, with the overrated uh, side of things from the, from the fans. Uh, I, I, I'll some, you know, uh, how long did it take for Gus Cole to reach out to you? He still has me blocked. <laughs> he didn't unblock you just to get one other jab in. Not that I, and block you again. Not that I, not that I saw. No, he still has me blocked him and, uh, incarcerated Bob are not the biggest Metal Leary fans. Oh, wow. That's that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> Sucks to be them. This is true. <laughs> uh, you want to get into the social segment? Yes, let's do okay, that. Okay, so I know you have a couple things, so I'll let you go. So first one was Oliver Wallstrom is not going back to Boston College. Is it right? It was a college yeah, or university? BC. Yeah, Boston, BC. I always get the two mixed up. The Terriers are B- BU and the Eagles are BC, right? Something yes. like that. Um, so he's not going back. And then Staple wrote today that that's a red flag. Why? Because he didn't have a good season. And then he compared it to other players who didn't have good seasons like Boone Jenner. No, not Boone Jenner. Uh, oh, God, the guy from Long Island. Why, why am I blanking on his name? From He's from Columbus. I know that much. Why am I blanking on his name? I just read the piece this morning. Uh, and I'm blanking on the guy's oh, name. Uh, Sonny Milano. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. Uh, I forget where on Long Island he's from. Massapequa, I, he's from. I think. Sure. I have names from, from there. Massatuna Town thing. Close enough. That's not point. There you go. Uh, that That's a place on Long Island, I'm sure. Anyways, um... So he equated it, not not saying that he's going to be just like him, but it, it raises a concern of saying like, well, someone like Sonny Milano had high expectations. He was drafted in in, in the first round and, and pretty high up in the first round, right? I think he was even 17th, he said. Uh, now I have to look it up. Also, just to know where he's from. Yeah, Massapequa, good job by you. Uh, he was 16th overall in 2014. So a year before Matthew Barzal was drafted 16th overall. Okay. Um, and he's still playing in the AHL. He has not cracked the NHL. He played 55 games in 17-18, scored 22 points, and has played only eight games this year. So he's basically like a Michael Dalcole. Essentially. Uh, a better Michael Dalcole. Um, but but yes, the point, the point stands. And so Staple was saying... He worries that that could be a scenario. Well, didn't he drew a comparable between the two? Didn't Kiefer Bellows play terribly his one year at BU before leaving? And so that's what he was saying as well. And, and until you know, uh, Bellows went to WHL, scored a ton of points, and now is not playing that well in the AHL right now. No. And so he worries this could be something to think about. And also, we haven't heard if he's turning pro. Like we don't know what he's doing. In terms of his career right now, which is which I think is the red flag. That that's my red flag is that what is he doing? What is happening right now? If he's not going to turn a pro for the Islanders, where is he going to go play? The QMJHL hold his rights. He doesn't want to go there, so he's going to go play in some lower caliber American League. I don't know. That can't be great for development. No. Or or Europe, or he goes to Europe. Uh, I don't think he's going to go to Europe. I think he probably goes to the WHL. Probably. But, oh no, he, he again he can't. That the WHL is is part of the CHL, and his CHL rights are held by uh, a team in the Q, in the Quebec Major Junior League, and he did not want to go there. 
That's when we play in the AHL then. If he went to the queue, he would put up ridiculous numbers. He would score a ton of goals and a ton of points and make himself uh, make himself feel real good. But I can I can you know understand where he doesn't necessarily want to go to Quebec and just like bum around I, Northern Quebec. I'd really like to see him in the AHL with Kiefer Bellows. Um, so would I. On. Well, I'm gonna get your juices flowing. Ready? Uh oh. Bellows, Quavala, Wallstrom line in the AHL. Oh, mm. baby, sign me up. So you're saying that an Arthur Staple tweet showed up on my phone, so I thought you were telling me what he was saying. Uh, it's it's nothing. It's nothing like oh, that. Okay. So, um, <laughs> yeah. No. Oh man, that would be amazing. I would love that so much. Uh, but I, so far, we don't know. And so to me, it's not the red flag that I don't think he'll develop. I still have high hopes. It's just I'm wondering what's going to happen and why it's taking so long to figure out. Gotcha. So that was my one, one of my two. Okay. So Did you have something to, yeah, to toss between? I'll mine? jump in here. So okay. the Islanders signed Bobo Carpenter, who nice. he was the captain of the Boston University Terriers. So he was That's a right. teammate with Kiefer Bellows. So right at, at one, one point, point yes. yes, his dad is Bobby Carpenter, who played for the Capitals, and then he also played for Lou Lamarillo and the Devils at the end of his career. So the connection kind of makes sense. How I am going to phrase this is Bobo Carpenter is an all-time name. That is a phenomenal name. So I want to ask you what yeah. some of your favorite athletic names are. Favorite athletic names. Yes. That's a good one. Um, Because I have not given this any thought Uh, whatsoever. So I can jump in while you think, and I could tell a story if you want. Sure, yes, please do. So when I called college basketball games, Division II college basketball, there was a team that my school that I called played every year, Pratt Institute. And they had this kid for three years, had the best name of all time. Ready for this? Okay. Yeah. Bubby Vernon. Bubby Vernon. Phenomenal name. An electric kid. He was small little kid. Had like long, like a mullet thing going on. He was electric factory. Bubby Vernon. That is my favorite name that I've come across with in athletics. Okay. Um, I, I have one. It's funny. It's It, it shows my immature side. Um, the Toronto Argonauts have a player called Poop Johnson. <laughs> okay. His His first name is Poop. Literally, his first name is Poop. I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him as well. Um, but like, I'm trying to think of not so immature names and more of like strong names, like Blade Jenkins. Just like you, you hear, Blade Jenkins is a good Blade. Who names your kid Blade? That's got to be amazing when you come out of the womb. Like that is Blade. It's an American Gladiator right there. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Um, Pinball Clemens was always a good one for me as a kid. Okay. I don't know if you know who Pinball no. Clemens is. Again, the Toronto Argonaut uh, player. Uh, he was just like bounce out. He was a short. I think he was a running back. I don't. I don't really know football very well. Um, he was a really good player for the CFL, and he just he would bounce off of players, and I think that's why they called him Pinball. Okay. Um, I also like names that have meaning, right? Like kind of like that. Um, God, I don't. I don't have anything better than that. I'm really I, sorry. I I'm letting you, on you the down spot here. A little bit. Uh, yeah, you that's did. Uh, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, God, I'm trying to think of another really good name. Like, there's some good hockey names, like Dick Clapper. God, that's a good oh, what name. What about uh, like Haha Clinton Dix? <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's a good one. Um, I really like some of like baseball names, like Mookie Betts. God, that's, that's a, a good great name. name. Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts, just Mookie. The like the wherewithal to call your kid Mookie and then to have like to be able to pull it off like that. Oh man, I love it. Um, yeah, that's all okay. I've got, really. That's it. Do you have any others aside from the no, few Bobby Vernon already? takes the cake, but Bobo Carpenter's pretty good. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Um, okay, so my last part or my last entry in our social segment today is there's something going around social media right now. And I'm trying to find exactly where it's coming oh. from. And it's about okay. food. 
It's bagel related. Yep. I'm sure you've seen this. All right, hit me. It's there. It is. It's from at Alec Crotman, who says today I introduced my coworkers to the St. Louis secret of ordering bagels bread sliced. It was a hit. So they took bagels and they sliced them into like low uh, like loaves. Yes. Yeah. So the Midwest or- lost its bagel privileges today because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what's going on. I, I you can't do that. That that triggered at me and every other New Yorker. You, that. Mm-mm, bad, not good. I'm not a New Yorker, but what the hell are you doing? Why would you do that to a perfectly Completely good bagel? Ruined. That that bothered me to no end. Did you see some of the parodies to that? Like there was a hot dog with like the bun. It was like across ways, and this is like I'm eating my hot dog St. Louis way. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's one here from Micah Gordon. It's at Micah J Gordon, and it's it's my coworker's birthday. I served her cake St. Louis style, and it's just. <laughs> Broken cake. <laughs> it looks like he just punched the cake and oh, threw it no. together. <laughs> uh, oh god! Uh, and then there's this um, from at with no e. I don't know why. Anyways, I would love to pair this. Just speaking about the the uh, bagels with my St. Louis style jelly roll, and it's like spaghettios and a oh, bun no. cake roll. <laughs> so people don't like uh, what what. Uh, St. Louis has to offer in no. terms of food, and that's a big no. Like, what are you doing? Why would you cut a bagel you like can't. that? That's offensive. You can't. You're just like, oh, we have small. You 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 turn this into a a not fully Melba toast yet. That's what you've done. Who eats Melba toast What's anyways? I don't know. So good job, St. Louis. You're not allowed to eat for yeah, a year. Your bagel privileges are done. Yeah, that's over. Like just. You ruined perfectly good food for no good reason whatsoever. Next thing I know, they're going to be talking about something weird on pizza, which uh, that always bugs me too. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, that really bothers me. I mean, Peeps plain is disgusting. So adding that on top of pizza Mm -hmm. is just double bad. Why do people hate food? Yeah, just have it regular. I don't get it. Like, just eat your pizza. You don't got to do anything crazy with it. Just regular slice. Eat it. Uh, I, I got a, a pizza take for you. It's not no, it's not really a take. Okay. A question, I guess. Uh, I had a roommate who I know we're running a little long here, so it'll be my last thing. Uh, I had a roommate who, when we ran out of garlic sauce, would use ranch. No, sorry, not ranch. Caesar dressing for a, a dipping sauce. On Yay pizza? or nay? That's right. I I don't I don't love it. It's kind of because there's specialty slices with dressing on it so i feel like you can get away with it this is just basic like cheese pizza dipping it or pepperoni and dipping pizza it in caesar dressing yeah i'm not i i wouldn't do it but i no i don't like it the more i think about it yeah the more i don't I think like about it either it's more cringy no. yeah i don't like it i don't know why maybe it's just like it's just it's not ranch i could do ranch but like even then it's it's got to be for me, it's just hot sauce. Just douse it in Frank's. That's what I do for, for you put hot pizza. sauce on so. pizza. Oh, that oh, is buddy. wild. That's yeah. What? I don't think. In what world do you live in where hot sauce doesn't New York belong City, on pizza? Where the best pizza is from in the United States. Every time I go to New York, there's like a huge thing of uh, hot sauce there, or sriracha. They have like the flakes around. you put on. Not the flakes. No, no, I understand the flakes. I still don't do the flakes. No, no, like hot sauce. That's like a, a like the vinegary Frank's red hot sauce. Red I don't red. know, man. You can do a little Parmesan cheese on there, and that's about it. I got enough cheese already. Just yeah, hot sauce, hot sauce, the crap out of my oh, pizza, boy. man. All right. <laughs> I don't like no, that taste. Apparently buds. not. Uh, so let's get some plugs in here before we wrap up the show. So wherever you are listening, yeah. we appreciate it and thank you. So please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps with our searchability. Appreciate all the love there. You can also subscribe to our Patreon where we do a post-game show for every single game. We do a once-a-week mailbag that we're about to record after this. And then there's a newsletter that you can also get. It's 5 bucks a month. You get all that stuff, pretty good value. And over the summer, we're going to do some deep dives and get into some more fun topics. You could also get at us on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My personal Twitter is at Matt O'Leary and why Mitch's is at TLO Mitch. You could like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. 
Make sure to download our app available on Android or iPhone, the Eyes on Isles app, and visit the website, eyesonisles.com, for all your New York Islanders needs. Anyway, episode number 84 is in the books. That'll do it for us. Once again, I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. We'll talk to you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.